This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. So, the Mara says, learning is the most ruchnistic activity that we can engage in. There's a reason why we fidget and, and move around when we're learning. Because our body is not in action. Our mind is in action. And the closest we have to being like Yavar Shalom is learning. And in the time, all other activities a person can do tzedakah and chesed once he's out of a yeshiva, but the primary time for learning is in yeshiva, and being able to focus, and being able to get yourself to sit and to engage and think in learning. Understand that, yes, it's, it takes effort, because we're so not used to it. Um, to, to get ourselves to sit still and to focus, and the mind should be actively thinking, I, I, that's probably the most important thing you can do while you're in yeshiva. That's what yeshiva is for primarily. It's a base medrash. It's a place to learn. And, and learning as, as a religious act, as an act of being shayat HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this tkufa that you hear, it's, it's, the primary, it's, it's the primary activity. You know, it's, it's a big issue, a big topic. I, I think like everything else, th- there's so many, so many sides. You know, there's, there, there's on, on the world of Teva, you can, you can work with all sorts of political stuff and so on. I want, I want to introduce an idea that the Ran says, the Ran and Joshua Saran, for those, again, I, I know the audience here varies from very big time in to people that are starters. The Ran was one of the great Rabbanim in Spain, the late 1300s, early 1400s, the, 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 um, he, he's in back of the Gemara on the Rif, most Masechtas, and he wrote a sefer on, on, um, on Jewish philosophy called Drashas Haran. He says this, and the Rajba has a small sefer of debates on Emuna with a Christian, and he says almost the same thing. I, I, I wonder if, if, the, if the Ran didn't take it from the Rosh. Ran usually quotes other Rishonim, but they both say the same thing. Um, it's going on a Pasuk, um, on a complicated Pasuk. The bottom line is, they say it is natural for people who do not want to be part of a larger society to be disliked and to be hated. So, since we have a very strong halachas of keeping us distinct from the nations, there will always be animosity. If you tell somebody, somebody says, hi, Yanko or Jack, come over, we're having a great barbecue, and the guy says, I'll have a Diet Pepsi at the most. Or, I'd like you to meet my daughter Christina, and you say, no thanks it creates enmity. And that's part of the price we pay for being who we are. We are different. 
and we're proud to be different and we are who we are we're Akadosh Baruch Hu's people together with that understanding that that's the psychology of it means that you need to be able to offer enough civility menschlichkeit um, to the other that the person understands it's not because you have something against him but rather it's something personal I always tell people, people say aren't you racist? there are two answers for that one is what does it mean to me that I'm Jewish? What privileges do I get for being Jewish? That I can't eat anything, that, 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 that I have to, I, I, you know, I have so many days in the year I have to take off from work, there's so much dabbing I have to do, there's so many mitzvahs I have to do. Tired mitzvahs. That's what it means, that's my privilege to be, to be a Jew, to have tired mitzvahs. Um, the only quote-unquote privilege we have is that it's a soul's hours, Every dinky nation has its own country, and we can have a, a few square centimeters in, in over here. So, I mean, France has France, Italy has Italy, and Albania has Albania, so we can't have this. And anyone who wants to join us is free to join us. Accept the same mitzvahs we do, and you're part of us. Doesn't make difference what color, doesn't make difference which country. If it's sincere acceptance, you're part of us. So where does that become racist? But the enemy exists because of that. So it's important that Jew go out of his way to be civil, to act in ways that, that can only arouse a, 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 a very positive attitude. And, and, um, and, that, and that's what we can do. And, and keep, I also believe, keeping a low uh, profile. Uh, a friend of mine was walking with Rebjaka Kamenetsky in Munsi. This is going back, I don't know, 70 years ago. And he was wearing his talus. And Rabbi Yaakov told him, we're still in Gullus. Don't walk around like you own the place. There's a difference between having to stand up for certain rights, Shabbos and so on. But to make a big splash about everything, that they have to give us off on Bahab because we need to fast on Bahab or something, we need to use a certain amount of seichel, and thus, in how much we're going all out to push ourselves and our gender, and how much not. Any type of pushing creates an animosity. Sometimes you need to do it, sometimes not. It's like every other strategy in, 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 a, in, a, in a struggle. You, you choose and understand the price you're paying for what is the victory you want to win, and sometimes the choices are to be open and extremely combative, and sometimes the, the, the decision is to, and that a big person should be making those decisions. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, over here from our Bayim about the importance <coughs> of uh, Kiruv and reaching out, um, being a Jewish leader. So what if I feel that I just want to be a good Jew and being a Jewish leader doesn't speak to me? Um, so first of all, every base medrash has the foundation it stands on. So you'll have a base medrash or marshal that stands on tefillah and tveikus and tefillah and so on and so forth. You'll have a base medrash that stands on a particular iyun in learning. Some base medrash in halacha, and some base medrash on zikaram, like we spoke about. This base medrash stands on that. Does a person, if a person generally feels at some point that's not quite him, 
so that's not quite him. A person also needs to ask himself, why not? Is it because it's a hard life, or is it because I'm really not suited? And sometimes you need somebody to help you make that decision because, you know, it, it's a life that demands a lot of sacrifice and so on. But I want to add another point. You do not have to be a Kirov professional to be a of people. Reaching out to anybody in your environment, you're working somewhere and you're nice to a Jewish co-worker. You say, you know what, would you like to come over once we have a Shabbos meal? I think you'll like it. Not heavy-handed, like that. It's, there are many lay people who have succeeded in bringing a lot of people close to Yiddishkeit because of their person and their personality. So offer somebody who's on, the, who's on the borderline to learn with them once a week, and so on. There are many, many opportunities where a person can be mekarev without grand things. If you draw a person in, and you draw a person in, slowly. So if a person starts coming to occasional Shabbos, and you can, you can convince him to send a kid of his to a more Jewish school, and you learn with the kid, and you convince him to go to Israel, you don't have to be glamorous, but every person, wherever Kaddish Prophet sent him, can do many things. Many, many communities in America were built by people who were laymen, business people, and those communities succeeded in drawing people in. I remember in Silver Spring, um, Rabbi Eyn was the rabbi of the town. He was extraordinary, strong personality, that's why the town sits on very solid foundations, he didn't never compromise on Allah and so on. He once I saw him once very emotional, and I asked him what happened. He said many years ago, a stranger wandered in to the shul, a stranger with long hair down to here and kind of a a, a very um, beatnik personality. People still know what that means. And he said after davening, Dr. Ginsburg, he's uh, he was Chaynevach just passed away a year ago. Um, he was a law professor, invited him for Kiddush. Now, mind you, the Kiddush was all of Tom Tom Crackers and Rachel's, but he invited him for it, and he came. And he slowly started coming. He liked eating here, like eating there, and he started becoming a regular in the shul. This was X amount of years ago. Reverend Adama showed me an invitation. This man's grandson was marrying Rabban Shechta's granddaughter. The Rashiva Chaim Berlin. And he had tears in his eyes and says, You don't know what tamtam crackers and grapes can accomplish. It depends how it's given, it depends, you know, how it's approached. Here was a simple a simple act of of it. I wanna I wanna share a story that for me was very inspiring. I, I guess I'll call myself a passive act in the story. I went when I came to America. And 95, for a few years I was there without the family commuting, and it was hard, it wasn't easy. When the first Shabbosim, I went to my mother, she lived in New York, I went to be with her, and I dabbed in the early minion, and then I, um, I made Kiddush, by 9 o'clock I was, it was after Kiddush, and I took a walk, I like walking, and my mother, my parents lived on the Lower East Side, I took a random walk across the island to the other side, a 20-25 minute walk. 
I'm walking there, it's a bitterly cold day, a tall man walks by, and he says, are you looking for a minion? This is, this is kind of, not the Wall Street area, it's a little bit, a little bit north of the Wall Street area. No, nobody from lives there. So I told him, I'm, you know, I'm kind of, uh, I, I said, I damned already, but if there's a shul here, I'd love to, to see it. Tell me, my name is Professor Capel. he teaches at NYU, and this is the closest shul. Fine. I walk with him, I come to the strangest looking building, like the weirdest looking building. I said, oh, might not be an Orthodox shul, but I just, I, I guess I'll cover it. I'll just walk in and walk out. I walk in, there's a big mechitza down the middle, and Igerman walks in with the beard and payas, the Rav, Rabbi Glass, Jonathan Glass. I said, Aleichem, what's your name? Glass, still my name is Lopiansky. He said, from the Mir Yeshiva? I said, yeah, but I don't know you. He said, I know you. So I, I said, how, what? He said, I grew up not from. And somehow I got interested a bit, and I walked, and I came to Yerushalayim, and I was walking aimlessly around Mayor Sharm Street. And I wandered down Basis Stroll Street, and I heard this noise coming from the yeshiva. I walked in, and you were just coming down, or you were there, and I asked him what it is, and he explained to me what a yeshiva is, and what learning is. So I said, that sounds interesting, I'd like to join it. And you told me, um, you told me that uh, it's not the right place yet, but you showed me to our Sameach. Maybe it would have been working at Shatur, I would show him Shatur, but I saw him to Arsameh. He went there and he, um, he learned there two years, went to the Meishiv in New York, got smicha, he's a rub there and he's rubbing this. And he told me that 15 minute conversation with you changed my life. I don't remember a thing about it. It was, as be- it was banality. I, I, there was nothing, I, I don't remember the incident at all. And so obviously, as far as I'm concerned, I just told him basically, she, whatever it is, I have the right person in the right place, and directed him there. And he told me those 15 minutes changed my life. So I, I felt very good. I, you know, right after Master Shabbos, I called my wife. You know, I, I felt Akash Baruch sent me a chizik. Then I started having a guilty conscience. How many times did I not give 15 minutes to somebody? How many times was I too tired to have somebody for Shabbos? How many times I not, was I not in the mood? So that, that I left for your kipper to, 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 you know, to, to put in my vidri. But at least understand, people are Makar people. And if the person finds you just to be the right person, somehow at the right minute, all you need to do is understand you're an ambassador for Torah, wherever you are. And all it requires is being who you should be. Dignity. If a person sees that you never stoop, your language is different, your interactions are different, you don't talk about people, you're pleasant, you're friendly, you're honest to a fault, the person wants that. If he has any neshama, it, it goes for it. And that's why even if your place in the world is not to end up, quote unquote, professionally being a Kairav, many, many people who've come to this place, many other places, the person who got them here, the catalyst, was a person who exemplified what being a Yiddish. So being a good Jew, being a really good Jew, is being a Makarif. They, they, they come hand in hand.
two minutes or three minutes? <laughs> so I guess I'll try to one or two points of something. First of all, the only problem marriage solves is the lack of a wife. If you're looking to marriage to solve your problems, it's hard to get along with people, this, that, the other thing, then you, you need to deal with issues before, not after. If a person finds himself having a hard time getting along with people, dealing with people, and so on like that, um, obviously this is the Aleph. But I think, I think the, the second, a second point, which I think is crucial to the Jewish understanding of what marriage is. Um, marriage is a fulfillment of a person via bringing out something in you, meaning as follows. When I tell somebody that real estate is a gratifying business, I possibly mean that a lot of money comes in with little effort and you can sit back and, and, and kind of chill. Could be that. When I tell you that teaching is a gratifying experience, it's because of what you need to bring out in yourself to do it. Marriage is not getting a wonderful wife to have a lot of pleasantness. It's taking on responsibility. The Pasuk says, Ol is, is, means it's, it's when, a, when a person appears a, a, a yoke. A yoke means you're accepting something on top of you. You're producing because you've harnessed yourself to something. A yoke is not a burden, it's a harness. A person lives for himself. We wake up in the morning, ask ourselves, what do we want to eat? Am I in the mood to do this? Do I have to do that? That's who we are. The Torah says, This is a poor condition for a person to be in. It's, it's, it means the person has not opened up, has not become conscious of the world around him, has not undertaken to do more with himself than just keep himself going. When a person gets married, he takes on a responsibility for another human being. Responsibility to feed and clothe her. It's, it, you better learn Aramaic because that's what it says in Iksuba. You're responsible for all of her expenses. You're responsible for emotional well-being. You're the responsible person for the, for the quality of the household. If you have a partner, that's, uh, if, of course, that's the that's way it goes. And when a person brings that out, and when God willing you have children, then you have a 24-7, you, you have permanent financial, emotional, spiritual responsibilities. And it's, it means hard, hard work and incessant work. But it means that you become so much bigger than you are. That instead of thinking in the morning, what am I going to have for breakfast? You ask yourself, what are my kids going to have? Instead of asking yourself, what kind of mood I'm in? You ask yourself, what mood is my wife in? What can I do to improve the mood and so on? If you understand that, then you hold different... If, if you're waiting to get something, it's sort of passive. Getting married. I got married. I fell into love. Those are all passive things. That is... It doesn't exist. And it's not the Torah Shkafa. But a person says building a house, building a family, raising a family, bringing the shamas into the world and, and, and developing to the best, 
then then you have at least the foundation for which to start for. Then you then you know what you what you're doing, what you're accomplishing. You're not expecting an easy time, but you're expecting a very productive time, and that's the difference. So there are different perspectives on that. Um, there are some Halak and Kaisrol that see Eretz Yisrael as being central to everything. It's not the not the Litvish Yeshiva Mesorah. The 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 Mesorahs that I was raised with is Lemaisa, the most intensely ruchnistic place today is Eretz Yisrael. The Yeshivas, the people, um, the everything about there, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons why people are so much Israel, you see a society that's so intensely Torah-oriented, mitzvah-oriented, everything about it flows with it. It's a bracha that Akash Baruch has given that Yisrael has begun to give some of its fruit, and I'm talking about fruit in a much deeper sense. So we look at Yisrael as being a, a place that is, Akash Baruch has opened up a little bit the Ruchnistic fountain here, and therefore, it's the place we look to. We understand that it's on the perspective that it's the place where the lives we can lead, Lassid Lovo, is most exemplary, and that's what we hope for. That's the that's the Masoris, that's the attitude, perspective that I was raised on, that, that in my yeshiva. Yeah. Two things. First of all, the word for the best, people be, are very short-sighted, obviously, so if I got sick now, it's probably whatever good, and then if Rahman Hitzlan, the person dies. For the best means, for whatever a person's ruchnistik of is, the difficulties, the tsar, the tsars, the years, this is all Akash Baruch is doing. The, a person we get certain things from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And one of the things we get from HaKadosh Baruch Hu are, is our personal talents, the family we grew up in, and the circumstances that, that we live in. And difficult things happening around us and its effect on us is meant to be um, something that we need to work with. I, I don't like to say the word the best because somehow it's, our mind translates it to you know, to what we think is the best. It's there for a purpose. Hashkocha means every pitfall that comes my way is there for a purpose, every positive experience, every difficult experience. I need to understand if Hashkocha had me be a friend of this person and something 
happened so tragically to this person, somewhere along the line, it, I need to incorporate it. I need to understand it in terms of what it means to reach out to people. I need to understand the angst that people have when they're suffering. I need to understand how fortunate I am that I have a positive attitude towards life, how precious life is. There are many, many things that I, I need to learn from it. I, I somehow, just the word to best, we always translate you know, it, it, to what we think would be best. I think everything has a purpose. And the purpose is to mold us, to change us. And difficult circumstances um, mold a person, change a person. So things that happen around me, and I was exposed to it, there's, the Gemara says, if somebody sees a Saita, so the Siddish say it's because Akarishpahu shows me those things that I need to deal with. I didn't just happen to see a Saita Bikokula. If it happened when I was there, I need to learn something from it. The easiest thing is how easy it is for a person to slip. I always think of this. Every so often read about a person who did less than good. If we read about it, then he did a lot less than good. Now, let's put it that way. And our first reaction is how terrible he is. If he comes from any school that's not mine, then how terrible that, that uh, particular branch is, or whatever it is. The real reaction should be how easy it is to slip. How easy it is. Do you think that that person started when he was born with, with the desire to do X, Y, or Z? That person, it, it usually, it happens one misstep and a second one and then a whirlpool of stuff and you're into it over your head. Whether it's monetary stuff, whether it's marital stuff or whatever. So our reaction should be, I should say, you know what? This person is a decent person, but one misstep and one thing after another thing. I need to be more cautious, more careful. We tend to learn the wrong lessons. So our lessons are how terrible he was, or whatever it is, and how good I am, that's usually the best, the best lesson. But um, understanding it that way, I think, is, is much more helpful. I didn't get that, I'm sorry? Should they teach Kirov? So traditionally, yeshivas have been focused inwardly, and the reason for it was, I mean, the, 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 the message we were given when we were in yeshiva was, everything in the world is easier to do than to sit by a Gemara and learn. So, you know, when you're working, getting a chesed out of a person is difficult. When you're learning, it's very easy to get a chesed out of a person. So traditionally, the kufa in yeshiva was, first take care of yourself. Somewhere along the line, a message about Zikr Rabbim should, that a person should understand that Zikr Rabbim is so important. Harbatsas Torah is so important. Uh, that should be a message woven into it. I mean, you know, Rebaran Kotla in Lakewood was a fire about sitting and learning, nothing to disturb learning, but there was a message about, about being Marbitsar, and that's why it was Talmidim Wormabitsar Torah. This generally against doing any program, any yeshiva, not directly to yeshiva. It's just like shechita. Shechita is very important, you don't learn it in yeshiva. Mila is important, you don't learn it in yeshiva. In the mir, they didn't learn smicha. You want to learn smicha? 
another place. The yeshiva is all, it's, it, there was a certain focus, and that's what I grew up with. But that lilmod or lilamed, and lilamed doesn't just mean being a Rosh Hashiva and, and saying a shir uh, for an yeshiva dola. Lilamed means taking a yid and teaching him olive base, if that's what's needed, and understanding yeshivas of that. That, I think, that message is part of the most basic musa that a person should be learning. Programs and stuff like that, yeshivas traditionally have no programs, and some, like the they did not even smicha. Smicha was considered something, it's already a track. And that was the that was the hashkafa yeshiva. How long should students stay yeshiva? There is, well, the answer, the pat answer would be until he's ready to go out. So, so that would take care of, of that would, uh, um, it, it means reaching a certain level where you're capable of moving forward on your own. Spiritual development, skills, an ease with doing what you're supposed to do. You know, once you're, once you're capable of being self-motivated, you have the tools to keep developing yourself, th- that I would say is a critical junction. That you want to be able to be somewhat independent in being able to to, to move forward. One of my rabbis, Rabbi Zolig Epstein, told the younger man, he asked him, How long, you know, when should I leave Yeshiva? He says, When you no longer feel like leaving Yeshiva, that's the right time to leave Yeshiva. That was the way he, he, he joked. But he meant the point was once the world of Yiddishkeit and Torah become natural to you and normal to you, now you have to ask yourself, Where do I, what's my place in terms of. You know, being Osik and Daharis, being Osik and Kamatur and and so on. Okay, it's uh, it's it's extraordinary to be like I said before, it's uh it's it's a Mokum Kodesh with the um, you know the, 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 the coming from the Mokum Amikdish and, and a place that has done so much for Klaisol and Bez Hashem, everybody here should be Zaikha together everything they can possibly get from such a Mokum as